was young I knew everything She punk who rarely ever took advice Now she's guilt-stricken sobbing with her head on the floor Stopping baby's breath and a shoe full of rice No, I can't be held responsible she was touching her face I won't be held responsible She fell in love in the first place For the life of me I cannot remember What made us think that we were wise And we'd never compromise For the life of me I cannot believe we'd ever die For these sins we were merely freshmen Hello and welcome to Bard Talk. I'm your host Josh and today I'm going to talk about something that almost was what this channel was about. I was going to do a pet podcast. Um, I kind of shied away from it because I don't listen to any pet podcasts and I think that the market's a little saturated. Also, I think if I'm really honest with myself, I kind of wanted the freedom to talk about whatever it is I wanted to talk about. And there's laziness involved in that because, like, if you just have a pet podcast or you just do a podcast on history, you have to pick a topic every week and then you have to go out and you have to pretty much just do an episode on that. And I, I wasn't into it. So. What I did instead was just make a general kind of whatever I wanted to talk about podcast and I kind of tend to find this works out best for me because I'm scatterbrained and it's not that I'm lazy I just don't have the time yet to dedicate to this um, the kind of time and energy it would take to do just a pet podcast or any podcast for that matter on a specific topic. Plus I think my favorite podcasts are general broad ranging ones like I listen to Joe Rogan or I listen to uh, Radio Lab ones like that where sometimes there's a topic that they talk about just that episode and sometimes they expand on it but it's more general with that said um, I bought a boa <laughs> I'm still in quarantine and I kind of was itching to get a boa for a while now, and I thought, you know what, uh, there's no time like the present, and so I went out and I bought a boa. And it got me thinking about how many other people are in that same boat where we're all dying a little bit from not having contact, and we just gotta go do something crazy to feel alive. And I think pets are high up on the list of things people get when they want to feel wanted so I, I gotta say and before anybody gives me too much flack I didn't just go buy a boa I've wanted a boa for years now um, I've owned if an animal exists I probably owned it at some point in my life I grew up and the highlight of my day was not playing sports or watching football or, or any of that stuff. Not that I didn't do that, but the highlight of my day was going down to the creek and turning over rocks. I think from the age of like six until I was 14, that was all I did. I went to the creek and I overturned rocks and I caught animals and I learned about them and then I would release them. Um, and I would be lying if I said a few didn't die in my care. Uh, frogs, specifically, because frogs are cannibalistic, so I would try to house frogs of different sizes, and that ended disastrously. But throughout that, I've owned box turtles and snakes and all kinds of stuff like that. So I have a pretty wide understanding of animals. I mean, not only the ones I've caught, I've bought a bunch. I've been gifted a bunch. Uh, when I was eight my parents bought me an iguana and I had that iguana for like 10 years which isn't their lifespan mine died because I was a little kid and my parents didn't know and the internet wasn't what it is today so it yeah it was just bad husbandry but I've owned 
again, like if you can think of it, I probably owned it at some point because I love animals. It is the they are one of the things that I'm very passionate about, and the older I get, the more passion I get. So when I got this itch to own a bow, it didn't come out of nowhere. I wanted a, a just a large snake. I wouldn't. They're not giant snakes by any stretch of the means, but they're a large snake. Um, I've wasn't allowed to own snakes when I was little. We used to catch garter snakes and rat snakes and uh, corn snakes and things like that. And we would keep them for a couple weeks under the guise of studying them for homeschool. And then we'd release them. And uh, when I was 14, I got my first Mick job. And my very first paycheck, very much against my parents' uh, wants and wishes, I went out and bought a ball python because I just thought they were the absolute coolest snake. I love the pattern. I love the idea that you could get something named a python and the odds of it biting you were nil, non-existent. So I went out and bought a python and uh, a ball python, very specifically. I've had that python <laughs> since I was 14. She was like five when I got her. Um, so she's around 25, 26 years old, somewhere in that general, general range. And it's amazing to me that she's lived as long as she should, because they generally in captivity, they live between 15, 20 years, 25 years at the most. I may have the first ball python that goes to 30 and that's, it's a testament to how durable a species they are. Because like I said, when I got her, the industry standard was like newspaper and a heat lamp. And things have changed so radically with the introduction and widely prolific internet with husbandry videos out the wazoo. So when I got this bow, of course, I read and read and read and I spent months re researching and getting everything together and getting a habitat built and figuring out in my head how I was going to meet all of the needs of this animal. And so I went out and got him. And uh, his name is Rocky Bow. I think the joke tells itself. I won't spell it out. But <laughs> he's awesome. And uh, if you follow me on any of my social medias, you'll get a glimpse of him. Uh, right now, I've really, really just been letting him settle in. When I got him, he was kind of in shed or getting close to going into shed, and he shed, and he had a wonderful one-piece shed, so I know I'm nailing the husbandry. I just got to get him to eat. He hasn't eaten yet, but that's something as a snake owner, you you feel tense up until the first feeding, and then once they start eating, you, you mellow out. So I've just been kind of letting him acclimate and get to know his new surroundings, and we'll go from there. But... Enough about me, because my guess is you may be thinking about getting an animal. I know we're almost coming out of this whole mess, and maybe you already got an animal and it was a big mistake, but maybe you want an animal. Maybe you know somebody who wants an animal who you can tell to listen to this podcast, and it'll grow, I hope. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people kind of go into it haphazardly. You know, they, they don't look at all of their options or they have an idea what they want. And I don't plan on going breed by breed or talking specifically. I want to talk more generally about them. But I think there's a lot of bad information and there's a lot of misunderstanding as is to what goes into an animal. So I'm going to get right down to the meat of it. And I'm going to say um, most people are driven to get an animal based on how cute it looks at that moment. And that is the worst mistake. When you are in a, if you're in a pet shop or you're browsing online and you're seeing people with their animals and you think, oh my God, that thing's so cute. I want that. And you don't spend an ounce of time looking into it. That's bad. That, that is probably the worst way to get an animal. And that's why we have so many rescues and humane societies and this country is littered with rescue animals because people don't understand what they're getting. Uh, I think dogs are probably victim to this more than any other animal. I, maybe cats, they're tied for one and two or at least like they're the top two. But you would be surprised how many people go out and buy an iguana or they buy a ferret and they don't understand what they're getting into. 
So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the, the pros and cons of each. And I'm going to start with the most popular, and that's dogs. Um, there's a couple ways you can get a dog. and There's a couple ways you can get any animal. And really, this applies to all of them. But you can get them in pet shops. You can get them from breeders. And you can get them from rescues. And there are pros and cons to every one of them. I'm going to put at the very bottom of my list pet shops. If you find a pet shop that is selling a dog, chances are that dog's in a cage. There's some that have kennels. I'm not going to name names, and I'm not going to call out specific behaviors, but I want you to really think about how much that pet shop cares about that animal if you choose to go that route. If you see a dog in a cage or puppies, multiple puppies in cages in some sort of display case fashion, the odds of that dog being um, a puppy mill dog are through the roof. Um, and just generally, like, how can you really truly uh, expect them to care about the animal when they display it? When they, they put it in a cage, it's not being socialized. It's not being left with its own. I mean, these are puppies after all. It's not like they're putting full dogs in cages. And if they are, do, report them. Seriously, that is horrendous. Dogs, in all honesty, have to be one of, if not the most neediest animal you can buy. I mean, I, I'm not a parent, to my own shame, but I know parents who have toddlers, and I would put owning my dogs on par with having a toddler. Um, my dogs are a little more well-behaved than some toddlers, but... They want your love and affection. If you call them, that's what they're expecting to get. They have feeding requirements, bathing requirements. Um, so much care goes into a dog that it's the similarity is there. Dogs, far more needier than cats. Uh, there's so much more you need to consider. And that's something that you should do. Like, you should do an inventory. Are you a homebody? Are you somebody who you know, likes the idea of travel, but doesn't actively participate. Or if you travel, do you go away for weeks at a time, months at a time? Or are we talking like, you know, uh, seven days or five days or a weekend here at the beach? Are you willing to take your dog? You know, dogs can go, they can be flown, but there are some hazards. People have lost their pets on planes. Um, and not to mention that, like, if you leave your dog at home, do you have somebody watch it at your house? Are you putting them in a boarding kennel? Like, there's that concern, just your lifestyle concern. And this is without getting into breed specific because I think these concerns encompass all dogs. What's the care while you're there? And what's the level of care if you plan on not being there? And I can say that, like, if you're one of those people that wants to go spend a month in Europe, go spend a month in Europe, get that out of your system, make sure that's not something you want to do on the regular and then get a dog. If you have plans of seeing multiple places and you're going to be gone for months at a time, that's not fair to the dog. It's not fair to you. Um, it's not about the cost. Even if you have the money to pay for boarding for that length of time, you're not giving that dog what it wants. That dog wants to soul bond with you. And furthermore, again, breed aside, if your plans are to have an outside dog, don't get a dog. That it's as simple as that. If you those dogs are, they are companion animals. They need your love and affection and and to different degrees with the breed. But they're all looking for the same thing. They're looking to please you. And it doesn't matter what breed it is. That's what they want. And if you're not around to please, you you're not fulfilling their wants and dreams. You know we took them out of the wild. We bred them until their ears went floppy and their tails wagged and we took so much of the wolf out of them and you want to get a dog and you want to tie it up outside, that's ridiculous or put it in a kennel outside. I just, you're not meeting the needs of that dog. I see that with breeders. I, I've been to breeders that have all of their dogs in kennels and I, I wouldn't buy a dog from them. I don't care how great the bloodline is or how rich or what what dog shows their puppies won. I don't care because to me, they're not treating their dogs like family. They're treating their dogs like a commodity. And that's, 
I'm not knocking breeders. I would put breeders at the very top of the list for getting a dog from. Number one, you can ensure that you're getting a good bloodline. Um, the papers are there. You can look at their, their parents most of the time, their siblings. You can really nail down what type of dog you're getting versus at a pet shop, you're getting a dog that's a commodity. And chances of it being coming or chances are that it came from a factory farm or a puppy mill where they're kept in horrendous conditions and they're just bred for the money value of it. That's horrible. And I don't know why they're still allowed to exist. I know in my state, they go after puppy mills like... They go after them, but they don't go after them with any kind of fervor. I think Lancaster County is a well-known puppy mill county. And there's farms and farms full of dogs that are just kept in cages and bred until they die. And their puppies are inbred, nasty, disgusting things full of all kinds of germs and diseases. And they don't do well, and they never socialize well, and they just continue to pump them out. Because why wouldn't you? I have a Dalmatian. I think the Dalmatian was probably one of the most maligned breeds going into the 90s. Because Disney put out a film. It's a great, wonderful film. I'm not knocking Disney. But people saw it, and even though it was a cartoon, they thought, Oh my god, I gotta get a Dalmatian. And now these people that had Dalmatians we're asking four and five thousand dollars a puppy and getting it and so they bred them like crazy and they bred it they inbred them they they crossed genes they they bred them horrifically nobody nobody paid attention to how much care they need what type of type of dog they are i mean they're one of the most active breeds you can get and so you had a bunch of very mean, angry Dalmatians with horrible problems, um, health problems, high vet costs, like all kinds of stuff. They're not the only breed to suffer from this. You know, people who had Dalmatians at that time struck gold and they capitalized on it. And it did a horrible thing for the breed. And you're going to see that a lot. So you have to really research the breed. Dogs are great animals if you have the time and if you have the lifestyle. And, and I mean finding a dog that fits your lifestyle. If you're a homebody and you're not active, there's a breed of dog out there for you. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, you've got to do your research. You can't just buy it because it looks cute in the window. Um, rescue groups, I love them. I donate to the Humane Society and the SPCA. I do fun drives for them. I, I have no problem with rescues whatsoever, but they do tug at the heartstrings. When you walk back into the dog pound and you see a bunch of dogs that look like they're in jail and they're whining and they're crying and all of them look adorable, you can make very bad decisions. And the people working there, 99% of them have the animals well-being at the core of their heart like they're trying to do the right thing and then you have some that are activists and they're they're going to tell you anything you need to hear to get that animal out of the shelter and it's just you got to be careful uh, and i might get flack for this but i will say dogs are surrendered daily for a various amounts of reasons you know sometimes people's job status change or their housing status change or whatever um but a lot of times people bought a dog on impulse and the dog didn't fit their lifestyle and they didn't train the dog well. And now there's a two or three year old dog that's in the rescue and you've got a lot of work to do versus buying from a breeder where you're probably going to get a puppy or you're going to get a dog that was socialized. You're going to get a dog with papers. You're going to know what its bloodline and past history is. It's medical history being the most important. And that dog may fit into your life better. And I'm not advocating everybody go out and buy a dog from a breeder. I'm just saying this is, you have to write a check for how much you're willing to put into the animal you're buying because all of the animals come with a cost. And the purchase cost is the smallest amount you'll ever spend on that animal. Everything else is going to be a, 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 a cost that is associated with it and it's going to be compounding and reoccurring. Dogs, you're lucky. Every vet in the world, 
that I know of can handle dogs. I think dogs are probably the number one veterinarian school subject. Everybody, every vet you can go to can handle a dog. The costs are enormous. Veterinarian care for a dog, I mean, annual visits, 150 easy, 250, not out of the question, depending on what you need to get done, the breed type, its requirements, um, the feeding, housing, all of that kind of care, grooming, that's all stuff that the dog is going to cost. And like I said, the initial cost, nothing. So if you can't spend $1,300, $1,400 up front for a breed of dog that fits into your life and you'd rather go to a rescue just because you can get a dog for $50 or $65 or $100 and that's your main motivation is the cost, don't get a dog. Don't even bother because you're not doing that dog any favors. You're not rescuing it. And that's a real quick, I'll touch on pet shops because that's another lie is, oh, well, that dog came from a puppy mill, or it's being kept in a cage, and I'm going to rescue that dog. You aren't, you aren't rescuing that dog. You're giving money to the puppy mill to go make more, and they're just going to keep doing it because of you. I had a friend um, or an acquaintance that got a, a puppy mill dog out of a pet shop at a mall. Like, three strikes, you're way out of here. And it had Parvo, and they spent... Uh, upwards of a thousand dollars for the dog and then they spent five or four thousand dollars getting the dog treated because it had parvo and that that you know all could have been avoided with a little bit of uh, thought process and work and if they really truly wanted a specific breed could have found a reputable breeder could have gotten papers for it uh, and I don't mean AKC papers it has nothing to do with the championship bloodlines of the dog it really has to do with the papers giving you the vet history, what shot it had, if it had any problems, um, what vet they use, all that kind of stuff. I rescued Darley, my Dalmatian, but I still have his bloodline back to like his great-great-grandfather. I can tell you every dog show he won, every dog show he was in, every name he was submitted under. I can tell you his last six lives were... Uh, yeah, six lives... Last six years of his life were spent on tour on Broadway in a play. Um, I can tell you his care all through there because the rescue was a really good rescue. Now, it was a Dalmatian-focused rescue, but it was a really good rescue. So, you know, there's options for that. But maybe, maybe the better option for you is a cat. Now, I know not all people are cat people. Some people like dogs because dogs are affection on demand. You say, come here, boy or girl, and they come over and they want pets and they'll slobber all over you and they'll cuddle with you on command and they're great. But if you don't have the time in your life for a toddler, maybe a cat's right for you. Cats are more affection by their demand, um, if that makes sense. Like, whereas dogs actively worship you, cats think they're the gods and you're worshiping them. Um, and I think all the same rules apply for a cat. There's a cat breed for everybody. There's uh, cat breeds that are hypoallergenic. There are cat breeds that are long hair. There's cat breeds without tails. Smaller cat breeds, larger cat breeds. Like Cats are as prolific as dogs. Um, I think there's some stigma around them because people see that old lady with 14 cats and think, oh, I don't want to be that. But when you break it down... Cats can add the same enrichment as a dog can in your life in a much smaller, much more manageable package. And truly, if you're one of those people who takes week or two week long vacations and you can have somebody stop by and scoop the litter box, refill the water and food, you're golden. I mean, cats have no problem taking care of themselves. So it's kind of a time thing. It's, it's how much time do you have to dedicate to that animal? You know, again, I'll throw out uh, somebody who works a non-conventional job, 12s and 24s aren't out of the question. You can't leave a dog alone for 12 hours. The dog relies on you to go outside to use the bathroom. Um, you do not want to train your dog to go inside, no matter the size, because I've heard that argument. They can't be litter box trained, and even if they could, you wouldn't want that. Dogs use their urine and 
uh, feces as a means of communication. Cats do to an extent, but they really readily accept a cat box because it's more in their nature. Like, they're not trying to say, hey, I'm the biggest, baddest, youngest cat out there with their fecal matter, like a dog is. Dogs, you know, that's a communication method for them. So, to me, I think there is moment for pause to reflect on your life and say, you know, if you're a homebody and you do travel for weeks at a time, or I'd say maximum two, but if you're gone for a week at a time, multiple times throughout the summer or winter, if you work a non-conventional job where an eight-hour shift is out of the question, a 12 and 24 is acceptable, maybe a cat's more right for you. Consider it. Consider it. And, and with cats, I don't think you have the same issue. I, I've never heard of a kitten mill. That's not to say they don't exist. But I think cat breeders are usually a lot more reputable than dog breeders. Like, I've never heard of a bad cat breeder. Not that there aren't cats out there that are worth tons of money, but I think it's the availability of cats. Like, even if you want a specific breed, you probably go to Humane Society and find it. There's such a large variety, and there's they, they breed so much easier. There's not that time and investment into trying to get, like, a specific dog to breed. So cats are readily available. Um, their vet care is cheaper. Their overall costs are cheaper. You don't have to send a dog or a cat off to the groomer if you don't want to. You know, they're happy bathing themselves. You really don't even have to bathe a cat. I think if you just have handy wipes, you can wipe down your cat sometimes. But they, they tend to take care of that themselves. Um, there are drawbacks with the litter box. I, myself, am allergic to the litter. I don't know what it is. But if it contacts my skin, I break out and uh, it makes me wheeze if I'm around litter box dust. So I, that's something you have to think about. And there are different forms of litter you can get. There's pellets. There's ways you can work around that. But cats versus dogs, I think it comes down to the person. I, I think if you're not an athletic person... Um, and you're away a lot and your work schedule is unconventional, I think maybe a cat's probably more your speed. And it's something you could, she just should consider. I would never tell anybody, don't get X, but I would provide the alternative. And I, in this case, I'd say you need to look at what, the totality of what it is you do with your life and how that animal fits in. Because ultimately, when you buy any animal, its care is completely up to you and that's something that you need to think about and there needs to be a lot of gravitas in that decision so I know moving down the line one of the next things people try to do is they think well I'll get my my child an animal and that'll teach them responsibility and that <laughs> that's a really bad idea not only is it a bad idea because you, there's better ways to teach an, a child responsibility through their actions than an animal. And also, like, the animals that people consider for this. And I'm going to start right out with the most popular, which is a goldfish. What a horrible animal. First of all, I think a lot of goldfish should be taken off the market because they get way too big. And... There's so little information about their care um, and what they need and the amount of resources that go into them. I, I'm going to go on the record now saying fish of any breed are not easy to keep. If you get a betta and you think you can put it into a stagnant bowl and just refill the water level and it's all going to be good, you couldn't be farther from the truth. All fish, and you can take this to the bank, pee and poop where they live and if you have no way to filter out that ammonia and the other chemicals the nitrates and nitrites that are going to build up in the water your bed is going to last a year your bed probably not even that uh, your goldfish that you think you can put in a 10 gallon tank with a bubble filter forget about it they're the messiest fish they're carp and they pee and poop pretty much every second of the day and for starters fish 
when you, when you own a fish tank, you're establishing an ecosystem within your house. And like anything else, you have to monitor that ecosystem to ensure that the levels aren't getting crazy. And the levels I'm talking about are nitrates, uh, nitrites, ammonia, CO2 saturation, oxygen saturation. Uh, there is a plethora. It's chemistry. It's chemistry. You're going to have to learn chemistry. You're asking your kid to learn chemistry. Then you're going to have to learn cycling because those things go up and down. You're going to have to do regular water changes. There's a lot you can do with the filters. You can take those, those hang-on-the-back waterfall filters that are sold with just about every Aquion kit you can get, and you can supercharge them to do a better job. But you have to look at that. You have to look at heating and lighting. You know, do you want to grow plants in this tank? Is it just going to be an empty tank with a singular goldfish? And what are your plans to upgrade? Because no goldfish will live in a 10-gallon tank. So, again, just like dogs, cats, every animal, I'm going to repeat this mantra over and over again. No pet is going to be the same pet from the day you buy it until the day it ends and the cost of that pet is the least amount of money you're going to put out and i don't care if you're buying you buy a four thousand dollar tiger there joe exotica it doesn't matter that four thousand dollars is going to be the smallest amount of money you put out for that pet everything else is going to cost more so you buy a five dollar pearl scale goldfish and it's gorgeous and it swims around so elegantly and it follows your finger awesome you better start planning for the upgrade because it's going to live in that 10-gallon tank for maybe a year or two, and then it's time to move up. And there are charts. I'm not going to lay it out on here. It would take too long. But there are charts for how many gallons of water you need per the size of the fish, their feeding requirements, the cleaning requirements. Fish are work. They're, they're a work of art if you do them right, but for sure you have to do your your research and you have to learn chemistry and you have to learn cycling and you have to learn how to manage an ecosystem that's a lot and for you to say well i'm going to get this for my child to learn responsibility well okay and then the fish dies so who had the bad lesson was it the teacher or was it the student or did both equally fail at this because i'm going to tell you where i'm going to land I think birds, probably in that same conversation, parakeets, cockatiel, cockatiels, um, budgies, which I think is just another word for parakeets, finches, small birds, we'll call them, are another one of those animals that are bought in mass um, by people that think it would be wonderful to have a little songbird in my house. Again, not realizing they don't grow but they have nutritional and um, I would say like educational factors. Cockatiels are smart birds. Budgies are smart birds and they want a certain amount of interaction. They need enrichment, I think was the word I was going for there. There's enrichment in their lives that they need or they'll die. Uh, you know, um, they have environmental factors. You know, do you have a relatively warm house that you can you can stow them in is there a room that's you know that you don't mind putting them in the living room and hearing them interrupt your shows because if you put them upstairs down the hallway in a room nobody uses because they're loud and noisy they're not going to have a great life you know these are birds are some of the smarter animals and they want interaction they want enrichment and they don't want to be sequestered in that back room all by themselves day in and day out with nothing because they just get mean and then they bite. And then when you do uh, cage cleanings, which you got to do regularly because they carry a host of parasites and germs, um, you, you're going to be in for it. You're going to have a hard time. It's going to complicate their care. And not to mention, when you move away from cats and dogs, um, you get into fish and, and birds. Now you're getting into the realm of you got to find an exotic vet. Now there's no vet that I know of that is really going to work with goldfish or, or small marine animals. Uh, they they kind of just die 
if they're not kept up. There's some pet shop owners I know that can do wonders with marine animals. And I've certainly um, kind of limped mine along and gotten them well after they've developed some things. But it's hard, man. It's Their care is hard. And birds you might be able to find in an exotic vet that, that can do some things. The cost is a lot more than a dog or a cat because it's a specialized animal and they have to go get specialized training and that training isn't free or cheap and that's something you need to consider I think it's almost kinda like uh, you know we move into our next category where we go with mammals small mammals and I, who doesn't who didn't have a hamster when they were a kid or a rat or a guinea pig or a rabbit the kind of care that they require um, and and also you know where are you getting them from I'll go back to the whole pet shop thing if you're getting uh, a guinea pig or a rabbit from a pet shop you it would behoove you to ask them where they get theirs and you would be surprised to find out that a lot of them are people that bought them they got them from they don't know what pet shop or they got them from that pet shop and then they add they didn't realize they got a male and female or somebody gave them another one and then they had babies and so they give the babies to the pet shop and the pet shop sells them and you don't know if they're interbred you have no clue what their bloodline is you have no clue if they have any type of diseases or anything that would be associated with interbreeding or or their care and in some instances like the larger chain stores they're getting them from a factory farm really some some business owns a warehouse full of hamster cages and they're not really monitoring them they're just breeding them like crazy and when they get to the age they can sell them they ship them off to your your chain pet store and there's your dwarf hamster or your russian hamster or your teddy bear and i think the other thing associated with them that's kind of difficult to talk about but it all of those cute little mammalian type things, they they have very short lifespans. So, you know, barring any health care problems, barring them getting out, which they do a lot, um, if you did the best you could do with a teddy bear hamster and you got three or four years out of it, you did pretty good. But that's it. I mean, you're not going to get 10 12 years out of one of those things they they're not they have very short lifespans and i think that wears on people you know they they can raise a a small russian dwarf hamster from a baby and three years later you know it's it's done and that can be traumatizing to a kid you know kid who wakes up every day and and maybe is really good with their hamster and they just find it cold and stiff someday in one of its hides like I think it's a teachable moment, but it's certainly one you want to consider. Um, and specifically with those, I think some of the cons are that you know they their short lifestyle or lifespan. All of them come with an associated smell. Now you can get aspen bedding, you can get some wood chip beddings that'll mask some of that, but they're going to require regular cleanings they're going to require a varied food diet because a lot of them eat greens a lot of them eat fresh vegetables and fruits giving them pellets isn't really the optimum diet um, their water containers whether you go with a dish or a water bottle that hangs off the side and there's pros and cons to each they need to be cleaned and maintained regularly and again this is something people get a hamster or a rat and they think, oh, this isn't, you know, I don't have to take care of this much. It lives in a cage. It, it takes care of itself. It's not the case, man. It's, uh, it's, there's a lot that goes into that. And the more exotic you get, the more care and the more concerns you have. Uh, ferrets, ferrets are interesting little weasels. They stink to high heavens. Um, and that's without really accounting for their, their, cage that they just have a natural they used to be called polecats or they're a variety of polecats but in either sense they um they have very delicate little um uh what's the word i'm looking for here their digestive tract systems are about the size of a squiggly straw 
And unfortunately, most people hold their ferrets or their ferrets escape, and it only takes them eating something like a twisty tie to bind that all up, and then you're taking them to the vet, and you're spending hundreds of dollars to have surgery on your ferret to cut open their gut and get that out and allow them to pass food again. And I, I, one more time, I'll pang on this. The cost of the animal is the, little, the least amount of money you'll put out for that animal. Um, chinchillas, hedgehogs, all of those things, um, they don't have huge lifespans. They have some, some really fun, really great. I mean, habitats for them are amazing. You can customize them, put tubes in. It's a lot of fun. And if you're getting it for the fun and the enrichment of your life, man, do it do it. I'm not here to crap on any animals. I'm just saying that, you know, think about that. Don't don't get one of them because you want to teach somebody responsibility. Get them because they're going to enrich your life and you have the time and the dedication and and you realize, okay, I'm going to get a ferret because I really want a ferret and I love ferrets and they're so cute and I'm going to build this habitat for them that's amazing. Dude, that's awesome. I'm with you. Ferrets aren't for me. I like them. I've had friends with ferrets. I love holding ferrets and playing with... I could play with a ferret all day long. They are great animals. Never... I can't own one. Can't own one because I just don't have that kind of time in my life. And I don't want the associated concern and worry. I don't want an animal for five years. Rabbits can last a lot longer. Rabbits, I think, are a really, really good mammal if you want to get a mammal for your kids or for you. But... You got to understand that they're not going to do well just living in a cage. They do litter train well, uh, unlike some of the other animals, which is great because then you can have them in a cage that they feel safe in, but you can kind of let them roam the house. So, you know, if I was going to get one, that'd be high up on the list because rabbits are adorable. They're hilarious. They have great personalities. Um, they they a lot of the pros of hamsters but a more manageable package and they do last a little bit longer i i've had i've had guinea pigs that lasted 10 years and i've known people that have had rabbits over 10 so a little bit bigger of an animal and certainly different requirements but they're great animals again do your research you know look into breeders look into um Look into which rabbit or guinea pig best fits your lifestyle because they all have different personalities. And uh, again, I want to caution, you know, there's rescues out there. You can get them from rescues and they may be the better go. I mean, not to say that they didn't come from a pet shop, but the rescue may have treated them for something or they'll have some type of health records or history on the animal that'll help give you the information you need to take care of that versus if you buy it at a chain pet shop I you know what I don't know where you're getting it from and if you buy it from your local pet shop you may be getting it from a breeder an unintentional breeder but you may be getting it from a breeder if you get it from a breeder you're going to get the best version of that animal that's just the way it is and again I'm not advocating breeders over pet shops over rescues I'm not giving them any kind of rank I'm just telling you that when you go out to get an animal you need to think about what what's your end goal what do you really want out of that animal do you want longevity do you want good bloodlines do you have a breeding project that you're thinking about for yourself because then it would really behoove you to speak with a breeder but you know it's um they're animals that can fit into your life they're not as needy as a dog or cat certainly not as needy as a bird they're not going to require as much chemistry as a fish but I think their habitats require as much attention if that makes sense because you're gonna to have to change it out regularly you're gonna to have to provide them with new and exciting foods you're gonna to have to keep their water at an acceptable cleanliness level for them to, to thrive um, think about it now let's let's walk back to the the bird argument okay you know I talked about cockatiels and budgies and and finches and stuff but I think everybody's dream bird is a parrot, and I'll be honest with you, you better have kids or have experience with something that requires that level of attention to detail and care because parrots are as smart or a not smarter than a toddler, and they were going to require every ounce 
of your time from the time you get home until the time you go to bed and wake up like they are demanding of your attention they are uh, beautiful everybody loves watching the videos on youtube of parrots talking and interacting and dancing and there's probably no more fantasized pet i think people fantasize about parrots on the daily i know i do I would love to have an African Grey. A couple times I've come really close to even pulling the trigger. But I'll tell you, I don't have that level of time. If I went away and I worked a 24-hour shift or I worked a 12-hour shift, that parrot is not going to deal well with that. And alternatively, their care is ridiculous. Vet costs? Forget about it. If you think spending $2,000 on a bird is too much for that pet, don't bother because the vet costs are going to be insanely higher and parrots can get egg bound if they're female they can have beak rot they can have uh, um, claw rot or foot rot there are a number of things that can ail them and the vet care for them is not cheap not to mention you know you can have socialization issues you may not need any medical care but you might need somebody to come in and figure out what's wrong with your parrot um, I heard somebody who used to rehab macaws um somebody i used to talk to a little bit and they said that you know the biggest issue that they always had to overcome with macaws is their owners clipped their wings before they learned how to fly so you have an animal that lives in flight and they never learned how to fly so when they get when they feel stress or, or danger or or they're uneasy they don't know how to escape. They never learned how to fly and they have this incredible anxiety. So the first thing that he does is he teaches his rescue macaws how to fly. And I thought that was like a really basic like duh. Yeah, it's a bird. It needs to learn how to fly. But you know, those people got that and they didn't want it flying around their house. So they clipped its wings. It never learned. It got anxiety. It nipped. And if you've ever been bitten by a macaw, you'll never want to be bitten by one again. I mean, their beaks are, are made to crush nuts and stuff like that. So your fingers and your face and your ears, bad, bad. Uh, those injuries are severe. And I think, you know, what nobody talks about as far as birds are concerned, at least in my opinion, if somebody told me they wanted a bird, and it wasn't because they wanted a parrot or a songbird, they wanted a bird, I'd recommend chickens. I, I think chickens, not only are they great pets, and they come in a great variety, they feed you. They poop breakfast. Get a pet that poops breakfast. That It's, it's awesome. Uh, their care requirements are minimum. Um, you provide them with a run and a good coop, and you don't have to worry about temperatures as long as you get, I should say, as long as you get an appropriate breed. If you live in Florida and you get a New England breed chicken, you're an asshole. I'm sorry, there's no two ways about it, but New England breeds are hardy and they're built for cold weather and they get luxurious thick coats of fur, uh, not fur, uh, feathers. Um, there are South American breeds, there are more Southern breeds of chickens that'll cope well with Florida heat. Uh, Rhode Island Reds, not one of them. So you do have to do a little bit of research, but if you get a Rhode Island Red and you live in Rhode Island, but you don't have to worry about it. They will completely take care of themselves. They're hardy animals. Uh, they don't require a whole lot of attention, but if you give it to them, they love it. They have no problem interacting with you. There are videos of people hugging their chickens, and the chickens generally like it. They're not the smartest bird. They're not toddlers. They're not parrots or budgies or cockatiels, but they're a really great, rewarding pet. Um, I've owned chickens, God, so many times. When I was a little kid, we had tons of chickens. Over a, uh, over 100 for sure. Um, so consider that if you are looking at birds there's an alternative and uh, I ducks I don't have any personal experience with ducks but I've been told they're chickens that need a pool so if you can provide them with any type of water source if you have a pond or you can set up a kiddie pool for them to play in you're gonna have great success I don't know about geese but I would assume just that plus larger I mean they're just bigger ducks really um, probably smarter ducks 
Don't ask me about swans, but if you own a lot of real estate and you own a pond, maybe swans are the way to go. I'm just saying that, you know, I'm using chickens as the alternative. If you want X, maybe research Y. If you want a ferret, but you're really concerned about the vet cost, maybe look at a chinchilla. If you want a chinchilla, but you're really worried about the dust or the allergies, maybe look at a hedgehog. Like there's always an alternative pet out there. Just do your research and learn about them. Um, and lastly, but not least, are reptiles and bugs. Reptiles and bugs, uh, kind of taboo. I think some people don't see them as cuddly. Couldn't be farther from the truth. Anybody that's owned a bearded dragon knows that's an absolute lie. Is a lot of specialized care. Is certainly um, a peculiar feeding response and, and requirement. Um, but so varied. So varied. If you are comfortable with feeding rodents um and i'm not one of those pricks that's just like well you gotta free you you have to feed frozen thawed it's better but if you if you have a snake that won't do that and you have to feed live you have to be willing to do that um there are no reptiles that are ex exclusively vegetarian so there's always going to be a protein element involved and that protein element may be bugs maybe uh, rodents um it's hard to say so there is some of that to be considered. Um, lizards and reptiles, or reptiles, I'll say in general, reptiles, amphibians, they are going to require a higher level of care than bugs themselves. So if you get uh, a gecko, you can feed it a paste. It's still going to need bugs to eat, but you can feed it paste. It's going to have very specific husbandry requirements. It's going to have UV requirements that you need to take into consideration. And just like anything else, uh, that level is going to change based off of what you get. You know, a bearded dragons are probably the most popular lizard right now. And they have very specific husbandry requirements. UVB lights, high heat, dry substrate. Um, lots of nutritional requirements, lots of calcium supplements. Again, that $35 bearded dragon baby that you see at the pet shop, that's going to be the cheapest amount you spend on that pet. The habitat is going to cost you far more. And then just like anything else, if you need to take it to the vet, if say you get a female and it's egg bound, or you get a male and his pores get clogged and you're not comfortable clearing his pores, you have to take it to somebody who is, and it's often difficult to find a vet that'll handle uh, exotic animals. And that's something you got to take in consideration. Are they rewarding? Yes, and more so than some animals. Um, I would take a blue tongue skink over any ferret or hedgehog any day of the week. I would take a ball python over any type of fish or bird or parrot any day of the week. They ball pythons, lovely animals, house plants. You don't have to worry about too much. If you're comfortable feeding them rodents uh, once a week or as they get older once a month, you will have a wonderful pet that really doesn't care if you interact with it or not, isn't going to mind the interaction, may actually like it, but isn't going to require it. If you go and you travel and you leave that ball python at home for two weeks and it's got fresh water, and you just fed it, you're not going to go on that vacation worrying about that animal all the time. Versus you can't do that with a hamster. They require daily care. Can't do that with a ferret. Again, daily care. So don't discount reptiles. There are ones absolutely that should be avoided. I don't know why they sell green iguanas. Uh, that's, that's its own ballpark. And again, I don't want to get into breed specific in this episode. Maybe later on, I will break down the breeds, but for sure, do your research. Look at, look, have an idea of what you want, and then go watch a bunch of videos, go read a bunch of information, and find out what that breed has. Maybe, just maybe, you are the type of person that a green iguana is perfect for. Maybe you don't mind letting it free roam your house. Maybe you'll put in the effort to, to house train it. That can be done, but versus the care of a blue tongue skink that really just requires 
a large enough habitat and some fresh greens and some bugs every once in a while, the care of the blue tongue skink is minuscule compared to a savanna monitor. And snakes, again, snakes are just as varied. There are snakes that, are, that do require a lot of daily care, and then there are snakes like ball pythons that are almost akin to houseplants. Um, and, and that, I'm going to try to finish this in under an hour, and I'm going to say if you're kind of the kind of person that really wants their, their child to learn some responsibility of taking care of an animal, or you want a good step animal, um, man, are tarantulas the best pet for you? And I can hear the recoil in everybody. I know they're icky, but first of all, they will teach you something about yourself. They will teach you that just because something looks scary, it's not. Um, minimum, minimum requirements. Depending on the tarantula, like you set up its cage once, you keep a dish of water in there, you throw it a cricket once a week, you're fine. That's it. They are houseplants. They thrive on neglect. They don't want to interact with you. Not that there aren't some species that you can hold. I do hold mine, some of them. But you did. they don't like it. They don't go out of their way to do it. They don't care if they're never held. Um... And then when you talk about what's ethical as far as keeping an animal in a cage, man, tarantulas live their best life in a cage because in the wild they live in a burrow. Most of them. Again, do your research. But most of them live in some type of, of small enclosure and the females for sure know maybe five square feet of land their entire life. So if you can provide them everything they need in a small little enclosure that gives them a burrow and a source of water and you throw crickets in every once in a while, uh, yeah, that's, they're, they're loving that. They, they're, they don't have to worry about temperature regulation or being hunted by predators. Um, yeah, that's, that's, they, they're, they're going to thank you for that. And unlike hamsters and mammalians of various types, any good new world female is going to last 15 20 years so you're not as long as you don't do anything stupid with their husbandry you buy a mexican red knee tarantula as a little baby and you grow it up and you've got two decades worth of tarantula and what do you need a 10 gallon tank there's no no light requirement because they're spiders they don't like light there's no heating pad requirement. Whatever the temperature of your house is, they're good with. I, I think the only thing you have to get over is throwing it a bug. And if you don't like crickets, they don't need variety. They'll live off of super worms their whole life. Well, you can throw wax worms in there. You can throw cockroaches in there. Don't go catch insects and give them to your tarantula, though. I will say that wild-caught insects... If there's any amount of pesticide on them, if they have any type of parasites, you are signing the death warrant for your tarantula. Buy bugs from a pet shop or, or a breeder or grow your own. Start a, a mealworm colony or a superworm colony. A lot of people have roach colonies. Cricket colonies suck because crickets stink. I don't like crickets. Just me. But, you know, roaches, mealworms, uh wax worms super worms horn worms readily available cheap as hell and this is one of those times where i'm going to say the only time i'm going to say that legitimately the cost of the pet is the most you'll spend you can spend 250 300 on a fully grown uh, brachypelma species of any variety $13, $15 for a 10-gallon tank or, or one of those Zillow enclosures and some substrate, $5 worth in substrate. And if you ever spend $50 in its lifetime on bugs, you've, you've given it a large variety and you've had a lot of die-off because legitimately that's all the care they require. And I would put them up there as probably the best pet for a kid. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, they're venomous. Yeah, they're this. Kids are stupid. Um, sure, all of those things absolutely apply. But if I had a child of my own, if little little Willow came to me and was like, "Daddy, Daddy, I, I wanna I want a tarantula of my own," I'd be like, "Okay, we're gonna save up some money. 
you tell me which one you want we're gonna work towards that and when you get the money up for it we're gonna go over the care and you know I, I I'd entertain it I don't think I would go out and get her an old world species that's highly venomous and bulky and difficult I mean there would be limitations but any of the brachypelma or the Talil Takatl, any of that subspecies, absolutely. Um, the cost is all up front. And then it's, I don't know, 10 cents a cricket there on out. So I'm sorry I went over an hour. There was a lot to go over. And I hope everybody just got the juices and their brains flowing so that they started thinking about things because... When we're all in quarantine and we're left to our own devices, it's easy to go onto the internets and look at animals and fantasize about what it would be like to own something. But really, truly, when you decide to buy an animal, you are, you are taking the care of something and making it your own. And a lot of people do it wrong. And it's a shame because... I don't think the mindset of, oh, well, you know, cats are a dime a dozen. Who cares if I kill a baby kitten? Or, you know, it was really sad. I, I didn't know this kitten had leukemia. Or I didn't know this dog had parvo. Or, I, I you know, I rescued this dog from a puppy mill. You know, the, the kinds of things that people come up with to justify a really neglectful, shitty purchase. Um, it doesn't cut it. Not today. Um, and not that I give myself the excuse of, well, the internet wasn't what it was back then. Uh, if I could go back, would I get my ball python again? Sure. Would I change some things about its husbandry? Absolutely. Um, but she's like 26 years old, so I didn't do too bad a job. You know, I, I obviously cared about that animal enough that I tried to do the best I could with the information I had. Are there other animals that it didn't work out so well with? Yeah, yeah, I, I've made a fair amount of mistakes. But that's why there's people like me that get you to think about things and, and digest this information and talk amongst yourself about really what would the best pet be. And if your answer really is, uh, no pet's the best pet for me, that's fine too. Uh, there's many, many, many ways you can interact. And... If it's going to the rescue and walking dogs or cleaning out their pens or feeding them or cleaning out the critter pens or cleaning out the cat pens, like interacting with the cats, helping people find their perfect pet, there are ways to interact with animals and never own one. Um, you know, find your niche. Find a way. Because I think animals are... They're enriching to us because they are a life form that depends on us. They solely depends on us. And if you show any animal, tarantula, lizard, dog, cat, ferret, goldfish, any amount of love, whatever you give them, they return that and amplify it fivefold. And there's no greater feeling in the world than seeing a happy, healthy animal that is a direct result of the work that you put into it and the love and care that you have for it. So own animals, don't own animals, interact with animals, just love this world that we're given because it really is amazing how things have come about. I hope that everybody's doing well. Uh, 429, uh, a lot of states are starting to open up. We're coming out of this. I'm super excited. I can't wait to find a new normal because I don't think it's ever going to be normal again, but I'm excited to see what the new normal is, and I hope you are too. Stay safe, um, be educated, and uh, talk to me. Please reach out to me. I'm on Twitter, at CaptainJDP. I'm on Instagram, at JoshDep5. Find me, uh, follow me or not, just let me know what you think of the podcast. I, I do a lot off of feedback, and, uh, and I want to be a part of your lives and more than just you listen to me ramble on about something for an hour or a half hour. Thank you. Much love. My best friend took a week's vacation to forget it. His girl took a week's worth of Valium and slept and now he's guilt stricken sobbing with his head on the floor thinks summer now and he never really wept he says I can't be held responsible she was
was touching her face I won't be held responsible She fell in love in the first place For the life of me I cannot remember What made us think that we were wise And we'd never compromise For the life of me I cannot believe we'd ever die for these sins We were merely freshmen We tried to wash our hands of all of this We never talk of our lacking relationships And how we're guilt-stricken sobbing with our heads on the floor we fell through the ice when we tried not to slip we'd say i can't be held responsible she was touching her face no i won't be held responsible she fell in love in the first place for the life of me i cannot remember what made us think that we were wise and we'd never compromise for life of me i cannot believe we'd ever die for these sins we were merely